1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Welcome to the Deceptively Fast Podcast. Got my friend Drew Hodgson here today who just turned 40 uh, we wish him a happy birthday, and I think it's appropriate to to talk to him about this next topic because Drew is very very single. I'm very very married. I've been married for 20 years. Uh, Drew, Drew, I'm assuming I'm assuming you had relations with one or many people last night. So uh, as you celebrated mm. your birthday, because this 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 is an article that caught my attention called "Why Do Humans Keep Trying and Failing at Monogamy." Here's what science and history says. It's an article in the Independent by Dr. Kate Lister. Are you are you trying currently to be monogamous? I don't even know what your relationship status is.
3: Uh, I'm not making an active effort to be monogamous right okay. now. No, I, yeah. but I'm also not in a relationship. I'm not actively dating anybody. So that that that's actually going really well for me.
2: Okay, so this this is uh, where your expertise comes in handy, because back when back when I was single dating apps, I I don't think we even had anything that was called an app yet. We just had online dating services and they weren't nearly they weren't nearly as accepted in mainstream as they are now. But this article starts off by saying that according to the dating app field, there's been a dramatic surge of interest in couples opening up their relationships and exploring non monogamy and that since the lockdown was lifted, the app has seen a 400 percent increase among women keyword searching for ethical non monogamy and polyamory. Is that have you seen that? Is, have you see Does that match your experience?
3: Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I haven't ran the numbers, but according <laughs> to just my uh, my anecdotal experience, being off and on the apps for a long time, too long to admit, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no doubt that that's definitely what it looks like. I mean, you see. I I just remember when it first became a thing, when the apps really first became a thing, you would not see anybody pro- posting openly on their profile, that they're polyamorous, that they're looking, you know, to bring in a third party. Yeah. Or that they're, they're living like an, in an open relationship or anything to that effect. And now, I mean, it's it's commonplace for sure it's definitely commonplace. so from, yeah, both I mean,
2: men, from both men and women it seems like yeah it seems yeah. like before there'd probably be a, a whole lot of bros that are like oh i'm polyamorous it's not, that's a that's a more elegant way of saying i like to sleep around but you feel like it's it's men and women
3: oh definitely yeah for sure i mean more so than i had ever seen before if you haven't now it's, it, now it's common it,
2: have you clicked on any of them that are polyamorous or have you actually gone out with any of them
3: i can't I'm sure I have. I mean, I'm sure I have. I can't think of, I mean, have I swiped right on a hot polyamorous (laughs) girl? Well, 1 million percent.
2: Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
3: I don't know if I actually went on a date with any, to be honest with you.
2: That's where it it gets interesting. And there's a couple things in here about polyandry, which is when women have multiple husbands and male lovers. And that's very, very rare in, in societies like throughout history says throughout the ancient world men were expected to take a wife but have sexual relationships outside of that with slaves concubines harems mistresses etc that's a system known as i think polygyny so that's when the man can have multiple partners polyandry is when the woman's allowed to have multiple partners but i think usually they what what they what they drive at here is that in most societies there's at the very least some pair bond like p-a-i-r not 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 the fruit but a pair of people there's a pair bond where people try to be monogamous with each other for at least a little stretch of time like that it's uh and it, that's pretty consistent it, but they but like the first knee-jerk reaction is okay from an evolutionary standpoint why is that good because isn't isn't diversity best isn't it best to have as much mixing up as possible um I think that the most accepted theory is that basically with humans, little human babies are very helpless and that if you want to be able to take care of a little human baby, it's probably good for the gene pool. If there are a bunch of males that are willing to stick around for a while and help Mm -hmm. the babies out, that that's always I remember learning that back in college. And according to this woman, that's still the most accepted theory that seems to make sense, doesn't it?
3: Well, it also just feels like there's an element of common sense there. I mean, even if you're telling me that, you know, it's Darwinism and trying to, you know, uh, diversify the gene pool and everything else that goes along with that, I I buy it. But there's just a matter of practicality. Right. You need you need someone, especially I'm sure, you know, in another era, you need someone there to be a provider while you're weakened from probably the birthing process and taking care of someone, and all those oh yeah, other things so there's it's just dude, a matter of what's pragmatic and you, dude, it makes sense to do that.
2: It was very hard in prehistoric times to get a spinal tap um, or any kind of anesthesia. <laughs> right, they were exactly, those those right. those women had to you know to, to chuck that thing out onto the forest floor. You're right about that, mm, but that was mm, well. That, the, the thinking is that as humans started to walk walk erect their their pelvises got more narrow and that's why that's why we have our babies when they're still so incapable you know like like mm-hmm. really any human babies are pretty damn weak and, and flimsy compared to other mammal babies they can come out and at least maybe walk around a little bit puppies i guess are a little you know but but there's compared to other primates and everything human babies need a lot of help so yeah, you want genetic diversity, but it's all lost if the babies are getting snatched up or beaten by rival males or whatever. So I, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think there's other, other studies that show that like that seven year itch might have a basis in biology in that. Like, OK, oh, like around yeah. six or seven years old, the kids are OK to fend for themselves. And then maybe it's time for partners to diverge.
3: Yeah, but isn't it human nature, too, to just like, I mean, you can compartmentalize whatever your sexual desires are separate from, you know, your relationship and the connection you have. With oh, I mean, I'm like, that's like, I mean, that just seems like a normal. Yeah, well, that's what I think is so interesting about all this is the whole movement to me is kind of like just maybe some kind of passive acknowledgement that all the movies we grew up
2: watching and everything oh else are just yeah a little
3: uh, well no no no, no know, yeah like Pollyanna.
2: no like the whole fairy tale and romantic love stuff and everything that's all trash you know like, right. i got mean, i think most people that have been in a long and successful marriage or a happy marriage know right. that it's not like it's not it's not the daily passionate love that you feel every like you know, you don't wake up every single morning next to the person next to you and, and feel the same way you did like in the first two or three months of the relationship. Like yeah. you have to, you, you heard, have to you forge heard, like a... Seth,
3: Seth doesn't love his wife. That's
2: what... <laughs> No, but you have to forge, you forge a relationship over time. You right. know, that becomes like it's a healthy codependence. But I think right. that uh, like with you and all of your um little good time buddies running around calling each other polyamorous and everything. Good time buddies. It's yep. a, yeah. <laughs> and I'm talking about the your, your good time female buddies. Um, oh, yeah. I like to I like to envision you as just going from one orgy to the next on the weekends. Oh, it's like, exhausting. Yeah.
3: You've got a little <laughs> yeah. you got a
2: planner book and everything and you have to you know, be sure that you, you have hors d'oeuvres and all that stuff.
3: Yeah, I definitely keep track of all my my orgy schedule in my written planner is is how (laughs) I keep track of that. And it's exhausting. Hashtag polygang.
2: No, No, but uh, no. Well, the thing that's changed is you got to remember, there was no actual like good birth control in the 19th until the 1960s. So it's been you think about it in the grand scheme of things. We've only had two or three generations since people really started to be able to have a have a say in, you know, how how many sexual partners they can sleep with before they inevitably knock somebody up. And uh, with women, especially women have some say in control now in whether Mm -hmm. or not they get pregnant so that you'd, you'd figure, all right, maybe that is just the natural. The natural progression is over the course of several generations, you know, by three generations from now, people are gonna have a much different view of like how is sex tied to a relationship and like, how can they exist differently than, than we basically been trained to for millennia?
3: Yeah. I mean, it just feels like multiple things. It's a confluence of events where it's, I mean, this is purely my, as a single male now 40, my entire life, never married, no kids. Yeah. You know, it feels to me like it's both, an appreciation for maybe a different kind of lifestyle that can work. I've never really tried it, but I mean, I'd be, shit, I'd be open to it if it could actually be functional with the right person. But it's one of those things where it's that, in addition to a completely different tolerance for like a, like a kinky lifestyle or a more open lifestyle or however you want to frame it. Because yeah. like when I was growing up, it was uh, freeze framing the one nude scene in a movie for an hour Right to to get off and now it's like you can look at your mobile phone at any given moment and so there's just a complete the overton window has just shifted in a big way i think like that's a
2: yeah there was like there was like one there were like like a total of three seconds of jamie lee curtis being naked and coming to america Right where right. she gets out, uh, gets into bed with Dan Aykroyd there, and just to warm him up, right? And that was like, oh, that was a that was a big, big deal when you could see that. So yeah, yeah it they, was the most
3: scandalous thing ever. I mean, it was <laughs> but, like you know they still the, like freeze that image and put it all. It's ridiculous.
2: So, yeah, so I guess there was there was more of a notion of a, almost like the scarcity of sex too, compared mm-hmm. to what kids are growing up with now, where it's omnipresent all the time, and. Yeah. The, yeah and accessible the, like it's yeah. completely
3: accessible and so which, and that's which what the maybe changes
2: too. your expectations but there's always gonna be like i i don't know i i feel like the double standard is hardwired into men though it i is. i don't it, i mean yeah. is it is it or is it just that because it seems like every culture almost has some semblance of that and some version of the male double standard where it feels like a, a lot
3: of that's kind of melted away though a bit i mean yeah. i agree with you that it's still going it, it probably is just always going to be like the predominant outlook but it is it's shifted I think quite a bit like I think that you know it's relative to that kind of fragile masculinity and all that stuff but it's a, there's a more of an appreciation I think for a more maybe assertive kind of sexually open and aware woman these yeah. days than maybe there used to be
2: I don't think um, that I don't think these kids these days slut shame nearly to the level that right. was common you know when we were growing up where it was You know, guys, guys wanted to have their cake and eat it too, where they would. you know, you, you want a woman that loves sex, but only with one guy for the rest of your life. Like it's just, um, uh, there was a, and that's where the double standard all falls in. I just don't see or hear as much about it the same way I can remember like my, my friends talking about stuff, um, or the way they talk about women.
3: Yeah, that's why that's why you and I are launching that charity SlutPraised.com. <laughs> um, It's important. It's it's. I think we all need to be made more aware of it.
2: I think this is one thing that might be happen to you, happening to you, though, too, Drew. I, I think that the natural testosterone drop as you get closer to your forties, I think that's a beneficial thing in a mm-hmm. lot of ways because yeah. I think that some guys, and this is this is one of the uh, most interesting and yet insulting theories about why humans. <laughs> try to be monogamous. It's this, it's the theory of testes size that in species where females mate with multiple males, the testes tend to be larger in relation to body size, but adjusting for body size, human testes are smaller than would be predicted. So we've got like disproportionately small testicles. And uh, when compared to our closest living relatives are considerably smaller than those of chimpanzees. So even chimpanzees have got us outmanned on the ball sack size. So Uh, I guess we're so so this is where I'm tying it back to you turning 40. Okay, so this article has already insulted the size of our testicles, not just you and me, but all human males. Um, Yeah, thanks. But it almost seems like, okay, if the the larger the testicle size, the more uh, like women, women and men are are all of all about just like. Just like they can't help themselves, like well, look I'm at all these the huge f- testicles out there. um yeah. and maybe, the, I'm, not maybe getting, the, I'm not
3: tracking the female side. Is it saying that yeah, women I, are more attracted to that? Like that's what I just like yeah. A, I just like realized, evolutionary.
2: Yeah, I just realized I screwed that up because you would think like, oh, bigger testicles, then the male's going to be more dominant, and right. he wants to have multiple partners, but not necessarily allow the woman. Right. Um. So yeah, that doesn't make it doesn't make a lot of sense because what I was going to say is in humans. I do think that some guys I think like are just naturally more cool with settling down when they're in their twenties and maybe that's related to testosterone levels. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a sense of security or something. Like some guys are just more naturally wired to be happy with one person. But I think Mm -hmm. like, I know some guys, I know some dudes that, just simply had way too much sex drive to be married in their twenties. Like, they, yeah. like they're just hounds, you know? Yeah. And I Why know I
3: feel like I'm being attacked. <laughs> I being attacked
2: right <laughs> now? I'm not talking about you specifically, uh, okay. but there's a, there's a continuum okay. there, you know? Yeah. Well, cause I, it always used to, it always used to bother me when I'd hear people say like, well, you know, that guy only cheats or that guy only wants multiple sexual partners because he's insecure because mm-hmm. he needs, he needs to inflate his own ego. And I think sometimes that's the case, but I also think I just know some dudes that just yeah. had to had to be frequently doing stuff. And in yeah. that, but then that some of those guys that I know, I think they genuinely settle down when they're into their 40s and their their right. priorities change. And I think at least some of that's got to be related to te- like testosterone levels. Maybe also, you know. Get a more confident sense of self along the way. But I think, I think way more of that is wrapped up in our hormone levels than a lot of people want to admit. I think there's more nature in that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. For both genders, really, too. I mean, I think you see the same thing where women really kind of come into it maybe a little later, too. And they're, they become more confident. I don't know if it's directly tied to hormone levels, but
2: yeah, the younger, well, yeah, there's studies that show that like younger women are more attracted to physical traits, whereas they get a little bit older, they tend to, be more attracted to the like the classic provider traits you know the the, the the a confident guy that's got whatever whatever um yeah i don't know i did, i also get a sense in this article this woman i feel like she's uh i feel i feel like she's one of those people who feels like everybody's private life must be like hers and if it's not then they're just lying you know, like like mm. people that people that cheat assume that everybody's cheating or, you know, like people right. that people, it's like when people it's like if you like it, it's like if you're a big time drinker, you can't conceive of how somebody doesn't like drinking all the time or doesn't like to go out or what have right. you. Um, and they probably know people in their private lives that are that lie about like exactly what their private lives are but i don't i don't think that's the case i think there's a broad continuum i think there's yeah i I know people that got married when they were 18 that were like completely and totally devoted to each other and happy the entire time where i know like if i'd gotten married at 18 it would to anybody it wouldn't matter my current wife if i married her when i was 18 um brandy would have left me i would say by the time i was 18 and a half (laughs) right i just wasn't ready for it i think by the time i was 28 or 29 i totally was
3: yeah i completely agree I, there it's it's sort of like i agree with the overall premise of the article and a lot yeah. of the stuff that is outlined i just don't know that i'm tracking the tone because it does feel like she's positioning it like that's maybe her personal experience that yeah. she's trying to you know project onto everyone else
2: did you catch the part where she brought up about and this isn't i'm not criticizing her about this at all um but where she brought up the sultans of the Ottoman Empire enjoyed a harem of several thousand women yes. times as large as 15,000
3: Yeah,
2: uh, who in turn had to remain faithful to their Lord or risk being put to death. I can't I can't imagine anything worse in life than having thousands of concubines. I don't, yeah. I, don't I don't get that. I don't understand unless and especially. Um, yeah, I don't I don't get that. I don't, Not thousands. That's too much
3: but that's like one of those where uh you know what is the rule where it's like uh no matter how many whatever the number is a man says that he slept with multiplied by three and if it's yeah. like a woman you like divide it by three or whatever it is that guy 100 percent, just wanted to go down in history as the most prolific emperor ever and then just, just multiplied his number of concubines by ten thousand.
2: that's true you, no you just
3: can't tell me he just wanted Heart- to be a legend
2: Part of expressing your power back in that day and retaining your power was showing like like creating these myths about you. So <laughs> yeah, but your virility a, having yeah. <laughs> a 15,000 concubine harem like people would just think of, there, you know, there'd be all kinds of legendary tales of him pleasuring yeah. 200 women per night and everything. Yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah, we can't invade that country. That guy's libido is far too potent.
2: We should start that rumor about you. I think it would help you in business. I, look, I'm
3: OK with that. If you want to uh, <laughs> post on my uh, Wikipedia no. or uh, on my LinkedIn, you can add. Actually, you can go ahead and just you can endorse my skill set for polyamory and prolific uh, sex acts. Online. You don't
2: actually, um, you don't actually want that reputation. I had when I was in high school. I was, <laughs> okay. No, I'm. I swear, when I was in high school, I was still a virgin, and somehow, and to this day, I still don't know how. Somehow, I got the reputation uh of being like this incredible stud and i i had a nickname the 60 minute man and i have like, like there were there were stories told about me that were like legendary and i had nothing to do with it it's amazing. like my 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 girl friends like friends that were girl girls would tell me that like they'd be like well seth you know like this girl really likes you but she's she just doesn't want to be a, another notch in your bedpost," and i'm like i have i
3: I have, I have no, no notches. notches. I don't have a zero no notch in my
2: bedpost. i got a, like I'm unless, notchless, unless I'm doing notches for masturbation episodes or something <laughs> like
3: that. I got the yeah the self yeah, the self love bedpost has been whittled down to a toothpick. But that's the, uh, my yeah.
2: I'm, I put those on my baseball bat. Should, yeah, right. It looks like a beaver got to it. That thing's got so many notches. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't think you necessarily want to have that reputation. Of course, yeah. Uh, yeah as I, you I get agree. older, it that's... doesn't. Women are girls aren't as scared off by that, you know, because they they know what they're doing. They might you you would have a certain niche. You'd have a niche on the internet uh, of women that are like, I
3: think it's right. I think at forty, you're you're kind of uh, you're you're really driving like a weird niche to come to you if that's your your big uh, my big draw is that I'm just all over the map with every woman that comes within eyesight.
2: There's uh, so I think basically what I took from this mostly Drew is that there is. you always run into somebody that's either going to claim that, you know, God wants humans to be monogamous or on the opposite end of the spectrum. No humans are wild beasts and it doesn't make any sense. They shouldn't be monogamous. I think there's, there's evidence that it is somewhere in between and that, like within humans, there is a drive to be monogamous. It's just that it, it takes a little bit more than just that drive to stay together for a long time. We're, we're driven to be monogamous. like, for, for a, at the very least, a brief duration of time. And then if it's <laughs> going to extend beyond that, it's got to have involved something more than just, you know, that desire.
3: To your, to your point earlier, though, like what percentage of your guy friends do you think would actually be okay with an open relationship where their wives were engaging on the same level that they yeah. were? Like what? If you very, guess,
2: very few. Very few. Like less than I, 10%? like on the same level as what they in their minds are envisioning. Yes, like, I think, yes. I think most guys think about an open marriage and it's like, yeah, it'll be orange. Then I'll go on business <laughs> trips and it'll be my thing. But they're kind of yeah. like, a they, they want it to be like a Tony Soprano type thing. You know, where no yeah. Car- Carmela's back and cooking and doing all those things. I, I don't, they don't think they don't really think it through. I don't, I don't think it's very high, man. I don't know. Like I've, I've thought about this before and I've tried to be like, okay, how do I like, how could I, like, I've tried to put myself in that position and thought, like, <clears throat> like, could I be one of those guys who's genuinely not jealous of anything my wife did? Like, with, and, like, there's no way. I don't think I can get there. And I don't, yeah. I've tried to peel back the onions and or the onion layers and, and see if that's like just because of the way I've been raised or cultural mm-hmm. cues or anything. And I don't think it is. I think it's something natural and innate. And it's uh, like, where uh,
3: does that come from? Like, yeah. where is that feeling of like, uh, I don't even want to call it insecurity, but whatever that violation is. Well, the
2: dudes, the guys that are, that are cool the back with brain. It. the guys that are cool with it would claim that it's insecurity if you can't. But I don't know. Right. It's too overwhelming. And I think when you look at it from society to society, culture to culture, historically, it's present everywhere. So like, it's I don't mm-hmm. think it's fair to say that it's some insecurity maybe it's a natural and normal insecurity but i don't think it's something that's necessarily i don't think it's necessarily unhealthy it's it's just it's weird because
3: wired. you know that men tend to be just to broadly generalize all genders is that they can compartmentalize more on that front maybe generally than it seems like women can right so it's like they can tell themselves eh, that's fine this is just the physical part but when you're looking at like an open relationship, it's interesting when you see women that are completely comfortable and able to do that s- more safely and have more comfort with it than men do. Like, that is an unusual dynamic, whereas like the dudes, I feel like you're still got to be like numbing that part of your brain. To where maybe you're kind of killing the the intimacy. Like you're killing the connection a little bit to, be able oh, to make it work. You yeah. know, I don't know if you and can, so And
2: so how are women different? What are you saying? They seem to be able to kind of do it. I think if
3: they can effectively have it, you like know, still I don't have
2: know. like still have the emotional compartment part yeah. of it and, yeah. the- and,
3: and not have to kind of murder the emotional connection. But I think like dudes in my experience, anyway, it'd be hard for me to do it without also kind of killing the, the connection. You know.
2: To okay, now wait a second. So I guess, but you're saying killing a connection with the let's let's call the person that you're supposed to be monogamous with or your your total mate, your person A. You're yeah. saying you're and then person B is the person that you'd be having an like an affair with or something. You're saying mm-hmm. you have to kill a little bit of the emotional connection to person A yeah. to, to be able to be with B. Oh, okay. Okay. To make
3: to to make that to, no, no. Okay. Miss, miss missed uh framed that. For person A, my partner, for me to be totally cool with us both having other partners, especially with them, having a consistent relationship or, you know, physical connection with someone else. I have to kill a little bit of that emotional connection to A.
2: Yeah, yeah. For that,
3: like, I don't fully know how you can do that without it, because to your point, it deeply, it gets you somewhere in there. And I don't know how to keep that voice out of your brain without, well, com- without kind of murdering that uh, that emotional connection,
2: but I wonder if that's okay. Maybe that's a little part of why men, or at least one of the reasons why men seem to be less. I don't know if it's weird because no, I I, there's still a part of me that doesn't believe anybody's totally cool with any of it, like with on the polyamory side. Like it's just I can't. It's hard for it's just hard for me to empathize, like not being jealous. So I don't like I want I want to (laughs) get in their these people's heads and believe that it's true or what have you. But I wonder if part of male jealousy is also knowing that women, it's women tend to form more of an emotional connection if they're having sex with somebody and that like, so if you are, if, if you think about your partner being, if you think about your female partner being with somebody else, you think like, well, she's definitely forging some kind of an emotional bond with that dude as well. Or are we, are we more limited and simple than that?
3: I, I don't. That's interesting. I mean, maybe, maybe that's why I'm single. No, I don't know. I mean, I don't, uh, I think that that's also a pretty broad spectrum. I think there's plenty of women who don't necessarily, uh, have that tact. When listen,
2: they're... listen, Drew, you mm-hmm. just turned 40. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm going to tell yeah. you this on your 40th birthday, the pair bond is a ubiquitous feature of human mating relationships. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's what I want you to tell your future wife when you propose to her. <laughs> you say, yeah. I've, I've fought this a long time, but listen, I finally, I finally acknowledged that the pair bond is a ubiquitous feature of human mating relationships. Will you be my pair bond partner? Yeah. Why do I have
3: to do that? Why can't it? That's like a first date thing, isn't it?
2: (laughs) Let's establish it right then.
3: That's more of a like upfront. I want to get this out of the way. And I've been dying to use the word ubiquitous.
2: How do you feel about pair bonding? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. One more before we go. This is the one. This is the one theory that I found most intriguing. It's been suggested that humans are monogamish. That's what she uses a few times saying, like it kind of monogamous yeah, Monogamish yeah. because of concealed ovulation, which means there isn't any obvious sign when it's optimal baby making time. So that maybe you just got to have a guy around all the time. So that yeah. when it's go time, when you're ovulating, then that guy is there. Well, meanwhile, when a female baboon is in the mood, <laughs> her hindquarters swell up like a life boy ring mm. to let mm. everyone know. And it did get me thinking like, man, if you were, like if you were in a bar and all of a sudden some woman's some woman's hindquarters swell swelled up like a like a life buoy ring yeah. or like a Kardashian or something, uh to let everybody know, it would be on at that point. It would yeah. get pretty damn hectic. And not very yeah. monogamous, I don't think. I don't think. Wait, it would, would be... it be on,
3: or would that be like, a, if you're looking for casual, now you know, like this probably isn't the ideal time.
2: That's true. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing because we stick around, right? <laughs> ideally, ideally, at least that's the expectation. Is you like hope the guy sticks around if there's a baby born. So yeah, yeah I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think it's a good. Uh, okay, my idea for the the life boy life buoy life buoy swelling hindquarters to signal getting on it, Nish. Yeah, I'm yeah.
3: fine with it as is.
2: I think there used to be, um, yeah, no, I think you're good. You're good. Well, happy birthday. Did you, Thanks, did you, did you actually have a party or anything?
3: No, not yet. I mean, my brother is actually coming in town to visit, but, um, you know, I had had a friend over last night and had dinner and it was kind of low key, but it was nice. It was good. You
2: know, I, it was think, yeah,
3: I think the, the birthday stopped really being interesting or at least in my you know old cynical view at this point.
2: So I think for the good of the podcast, you should start clicking on some of these polyamorous women and just to just have a conversation with them yeah you you know you could be the classic the guy that's like claiming he just wants to have a conversation about it and uh like in in the world research purposes yeah the world according to garp the robin williams has i think he does that no his mom okay this guy's mom tries to buy him a prostitute And he's basically like, listen, I let's just have coffee or something. But I think they end up doing it anyway, because it's just you you can try to be noble and everything and do it, do it for the good of the podcast. What comes of it comes up. We don't have to talk about the we don't have to even talk about the PG-13 side of things. I just want you to get I I want you to go have coffee with a polyamorous woman.
3: Okay, so just to be clear, it we're stopping at PG-13. So I'm going to go through all this. And then it's just well, going to stop at like
2: uh, I'm saying, over, look, the,
3: over the close.
2: I'm saying we don't so we don't like, have to talk about anything that happens past PC-13. <laughs> like, you know, I already once exposed a yeah. medical issue of yours that you didn't want me to. <laughs> so I don't want to go, which by the way, right. su- suggests that you would be less monogamous than a chimpanzee if my... It does. This, uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> if this testes theory works out. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. So we'll do it's that. Good so, callback. Nice callback. The next time we convene, you'll have at least you'll have at least DM'd with a polyamorous woman on a dating app.
3: Yeah, no, that's a good, uh, that's a good
1: assignment between episodes.
2: Oh, I'm very excited about this. All right, buddy. Happy birthday. All right, man. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds.